Yeah. Well, I was setting up my stuff and cats and stuff, but whatever. You have to get the cats in the right position. Yeah, I have to give them the team talk. (laughs) Where are they right now? That's a great question. I think they're in the living room, but one of them, we were telling Fred to go do check out whatever Marty was doing, and then we realized Marty was pooping. So sort of exclusive activity given the size of the litter box, but I've seen them try before. Um, Yeah, I feel like that's not out of the realm of cat activities. Have you gotten a spare laptop for them to sit on yet? No, we need to figure something out like that, though. Get them a spare Um, microphone, too, and then they can just mimic you. Wow, that's so true. That's great. (laughs) I have to get them a spare mic. I wonder what they would talk about. It would be like that image of like the three kids debating about Fortnite. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Episode 164 of View from 202 after second consecutive 4-1 win for the New York Red Bulls, this time over Montreal Impact. Almost 5-1 win, um, but no, 4-1 against Montreal and Thierry Henry. Uh, It's Britt Peaches, Cork, and Sam. How are you guys feeling after this explosion of goals all of a sudden? Um, This was the... First time in a very long time where I went to the MLS app to look for the 15-minute recap of the game. Whoa. Uh, just to rewatch the Extended highlights. Extended highlights? Exactly. Wow. This was uh, how I felt about this game. The other day when I went to NewYorkRedBulls.com to check our schedule, I also thought, geez, this is a throwback. I think it, it was no longer even the thing that popped up when I typed new uh, anymore. I don't even know what it was, but... Yeah, it was taking me. It wanted to take me to new grounds. Obviously, I had to watch my my flash animations. your flash animations. Yeah, watch watch uh, clips of Chivas USA on Ebom's World. <laughs> but. Yeah, like there's a I'm working on this killer flash game where you click to uh, uh, shoot um, a little plane with Jorge Vergara in it. Used, okay, <laughs> before not that anyone would ever get on our case about anything ever but to be clear that's what the games on new grounds were like i'm not you know wishing it into being um but did also did i say four nil at the top of the podcast by mistake i don't remember all right already forgotten brilliant i know it's been been four nil if you just don't count don't count bojan because he is uh a man without a country he's a (laughs) Mm -hmm. catalan serb yeah bojan is uh it's not real it's not in the room can't hurt you. Um, can't can't do anything about it. Just it, did it's kind of last name. Yeah, I did. Yeah, it's uh, well, Kirk, last name Kirkik. Kirk, Kirk, yeah, Kirk, yeah. That's actually like, the, the Catalan pronunciation is uh, <laughs> Kirky. Kirkat. at the end. Kirky's yeah. or something. Well, I was just like very surprised because I got an ESPN notification when he scored that goal that Krikic had scored against New York Red Bulls, and so that I thought that was novel. Yeah, Krikic is pretty is pretty uh, close, or more more obviously Serbian or, or uh, Serbo-Croatian. But there is every once in a while I play a little guessing game or like Basque or Slavic when I, when something pops up like that because in in Spain in Iberia sometimes it's hard to tell. 
But um, yeah, that Bojan goal is sort of like that random Tommy McNamara goal, like way back in 2015, that he just scored a screamer, but we won 4 1, so it doesn't matter anyway. But uh, he just, like I say, I know it's a lead with this week, and I promised I would do it, but I have to, uh, I have to rake you over the coals for, uh, it has to be said, Danny Royer racks him up this match. Him and Kaku put together. I have to say, you know, maybe it's slightly unfair, but I think you're also intentionally stubborn about this, so I'm going to barb you. <laughs> proof, in, proof of concept for me that if we play him in the correct position, in the correct role, let it be. He's, he's banging him in. What do you say to that? I feel you've, you are pretty repudiated here. Well, I feel like I have a built-in excuse that I can use every time now, which is just that I think Omir could have done better. <laughs> nice. Well played. That's just like my yeah. go-to now um, is that, you know, I mean, like, yeah, Danny did well, but like that's, you know, still only when he's, I mean, like, I guess to his credit, that's what he's good at. But like, it's only when he's in the box and the, uh, we have numbers in the final third and, you know, he can afford to you know, make things like that. But, you know, like the, the back heel is just like, you know, he's, it's, it's hopeful and it worked, um, which is good, I guess. And then his goal was a, a screamer. I'll give him that, you know, that's uh, something that we need every so often. Yeah. I love the back heel. I love a good progressive flick on to just create a little chaos. A lot of, a lot of really good Red Bulls goals, important goals have come from that. Like, uh, Rewatching the the big Columbus 3-0 win in 2018 again. First goal comes on from a little uh, flick on, I think. Was it Royer again? On to Wong. Um, love love to see that in our game a little bit. But also, I'll also eat some crow here because uh, a couple weeks ago, I proclaimed Barlow to basically have a Tommy Redding game where <laughs> I uh, you know didn't need to see any more of him, but it was okay. I wasn't mad. Uh, and he rings up two goals here. Um, looking pretty pro. I mean, well, you know, uh, I think I can't remember if he missed another one, but Hey, I don't want to, I was going to potentially make fun of you peaches. If you said that Royer didn't make literally 100% of his chances. So I can't do that about Barlow as well. So I'm uh, taking the high road here. That's what's going on. So that I, yeah. So I could just claim moral superiority in this case. Okay. But I mean, like he, I think the notable thing about both of, um, Royer's kind of contributions to the game is also, I think, um, that Mandela Egbo is really fucking good. Yeah, right? yeah, he's really he's really uh, shown himself to. I mean, when I when we first signed him, I mean, there was barely like any footage on him, and I mean, not like it, like even if you did have footage of a defender, it's usually just like the ball, you know, bouncing off of him and shit. But like. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't, I didn't think in, and even in the limited scouting reports and stuff that I read that he was as, you know, just cultured with the ball as he seems to be. I mean, he can, he can pass it. He can, you know, keep it, keep it at his feet. He's got sticky feet when he's in traffic. Um, and then, yeah, he, he has the penalties last week. And then this week, um, was him, you know, putting in, the most some of the most dangerous crosses from the run of play that we've seen from anybody in this team. In, yeah, in I was gonna say he like he can put in a cross, man. Like that that yeah. dude can whip one in. Um and also like very early good in early indications that he's a, a meme king. So I always appreciate that. <laughs> he knows how to lean into it too. It wasn't he wasn't really 
overdoing it. He he had the for reference, he had the face. They went over to him on the sideline and kind of zoomed in, and he kind of just made like pers- uh, his lips kind of like that. I don't know what if there's a name or a reference to that gift. Conceited. Conceited, okay, the conceited gift where the guy's like has the cup and and um, walking away and like shaking his head and purses his lips like that, pretty spot on. And he even posted afterwards, you know, in a basic acknowledgement that pretty good, pretty good stuff there. I approve as well. Um, and I have to say, based on the lineup, uh, it looks almost like this game was built or. or um, you know, intended to make sure that Egbo could get on the pitch and start because uh, one of the more baffling things for me over the last year and a half um, reappeared in this game, which is Kyle Duncan starting on the left despite being super right-footed. Um, but I think, Cork, you had pointed out to me as the game was going on that, you know, it's if the priority was just getting Egbo on the pitch and Pendant's been getting a ton of minutes and Segrist is still AWOL or um, MIA, uh, then uh, it could just be Duncan filling in in a pinch because um, the priority was Egbo. That could be the case. And I, if that's the case, I guess I sort of see the rationale because I think he has a real startling game here. Secret and is on the injury report this week. Um, no, no, but we also know like what how real the injury report can be. You, you say Segrist? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, like Segrist... Um, I mean, I'm sure he's probably injured at some point, but I feel like he's just been off the team sheet for months anyway, right? I mean, it feels sort of moot, yeah? Yeah, uh, and I, I, I agree with what, you know, entirely with what you're saying, that, you know, uh, this this could be a sign that, that the right-back position is pretty much Agbo's and that getting him used to it is the long-term priority beyond, you know, uh, you know that that... You know, Duncan Duncan being used as the utility player is not necessarily an acknowledgement that he's a better left back or a better utility player as much as him just being the second guy on the depth chart. He just has to get moved around and that yeah, the you know, a big a big part of the team going forward is gonna be Egbo at right back, so might as well start getting used to that and that you know, left back is is situated too, so we don't need to pretend that yeah, uh, you know, the person that we put there was, you know, the guy. Yeah, yeah, and it it's now thankfully it feels like more of a minor problem, um, but it does just seem like a strange thing now that Pendant was able to walk into the the first team starting left back position rather quickly, but Egbo apparently wasn't. Um, not that Duncan was playing terribly, but uh, you know I still would have guessed over the last couple of months that Egbo would have gotten more time than he did. He really, he really didn't get much time at all over COVID cup and the last couple Armist games. Right. I mean, and doesn't Pendant even started some of the March games. Right. And Egbo didn't even get that chance. I, I don't know, but it does seem to me that, um, the Patrick Segrist drafting slash signing, um, reading between the lines, very realistically looks like the last pre Thelwell move made by this club. Because, you know, we traded up for him, picked him seventh for whatever that's worth. Um, started and, him for a game yeah, or two, so, but then has just kind of been totally absent. I mean, we drafted him in January, in December, and that will got here in February. Um, and ever since then, our signings have looked completely different. Just, you know, guys like Egbo and Pendant and 
just coming from European second divisions, Jensen coming from kind of like a mid-tier European league, Yearwood, just a noticeable difference to me. So um, I'm not really expecting Segrist to play again, per se. And, and I guess it'll be maybe interesting to see if we do go get a utility defender um, and what's up with Amro, because Amro, look, he has not been around that much either. And he is he hurt? I don't believe so, right? No. Um, I mean, like, I think, yeah, that it, I, I think it is curious about how Amro is, but, um, yeah, you know, Amaro knowing... Being, uh, CJ Brown. Yeah. yeah. Right. That's exactly what I was going to say. Like, knowing that Amro probably was um, a CJ Brown push. Um, but, you know, like, I think regarding Segrist, um, it would still be worth getting some value for him, I think. Um, I think I'm not really worried about it either way. Yeah, but I, I mean, like, I think he's more serviceable than, um, like, Reese Buckmaster was. And also, we kind of uh, don't really have left-back depth still. Like, maybe we yeah, do... Yeah, that's true. I mean, I'm guessing... I'm guessing there's going to be at least a little bit of of churn with some of that in the next month or two or off season. But also I apologize. I feel like I've let us down more of a rabbit hole than I meant on these couple of fullbacks that are really talking about the game itself. Um, but I, I do think that the Duncan and at left back position is more of one of the stranger things in this lineup, which is sort of an interesting lineup where we, we get no Yearwood. Um, we get Kaku and Costas though. Um, and then we get the Barlow and Royer pairing to start the game, which to be honest, I was, I was not as excited about to start. Um, not necessarily again that because I thought it would make us less likely to win, but just that it looked like we might learn less, you know, kind of interested in seeing more of Jorgensen, kind of interested in seeing Tete finally appear for more than two minutes. Um, and it kind of thought that we might have seen everything we could from those two guys, but I don't know. I, I thought that, that Barlow was making a lot more uh runs coherent runs that were similar to Jorgensen's uh runs against um Miami which might indicate some um coaching across the board and I thought you know as we discussed Royer has a really good turnout so um I don't know I did this this result uh kind of defied a little bit of my expectations of what looked like a sort of weird midweek improv lineup what what about everyone else Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know how I feel about the specific players on the lineup. Um, but like you, well, I was who else besides Royer, player. though. I, I um, was going to say that that uh, I mean, just just uh, as my own, just, you know, not to be left out of the fanfare today. I, th- I feel like a like a store brand version of Peaches Royer Bugaboo is <laughs> me not thinking Caceres is like more of an attacking player, which mm. two weeks in a row now he's uh, gotten, you know, been running forward and gotten into the box and been involved in a goal. And this time he did the finish. So uh, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, kind of pissed at Caceres for stunting like that. But um, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, that, you know, it's, I mean, I don't even know, know really, really what you say about the lineup when things just, it's hard, it's hard to, it's hard to analyze the team right now with with an interim manager and all that, you know, situation. But also it's just, it's so, it's so kind of like, what more do you say? Because it really does seem like, like, you know, 
I guess you want to call them shackles or whatever were taken yeah. off this team yeah. when when you know we lost when we you know just kind of reshuffled the deck and and put a new new coach in charge who you know just kind of put their priorities straight again and you know kind of let the team play without getting you know lost in the weeds of all of the you know kind of little petty stuff that we had discussed that was you know being focused on um, by the coaching staff previously and you know it's just you know everything seems to be coming up millhouse for the red yeah. bulls ever since so <laughs> yeah yeah i think you point out the um and, and, and I'm, hoping, I'm hoping that, that everything coming up millhouse factor is a good like you know disclaimer to Casar is doing well like okay yeah that's <laughs> oh, was, that only happens when things go you know swimmingly so yeah go right i was gonna say like the new intra um podcast conflict is what, what kind of midfield your ccj and that's our disagreement so yeah. I, will, I will take that game as a w for myself yeah we'll we'll, we'll build on that it's something to build on for the show <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i feel like it is it does feel um really hard to deny now that um that there's a difference and that the team was not doing as well as it could. Cause you know, I do, I do want to like try to like look forward more and like, like, you know, act like we've been there a bit on this kind of like larger question of Armis and all that. And recognize that I do think that like, we've seen that the vast majority of Red Bulls fans really do get it. It's more people who aren't really actually watching the games who didn't get it. But this, this just feels like as clear of a repudiation as you can get. Like, yeah, we're beating bad teams again. I mean, like, is it, is it that we lost to Montreal, different managed Montreal, but we lost to Montreal at home, uh, trying to play like we did under Armis. I could easily imagine us folding after that Bojan goal or just not even, not even gunning for this at all. And, um, it's, it's, uh, just, it feels really relieving. And I'm almost, I'm, I'm in a way, I'm actually kind of glad that Ivis wrote that article now. Um, cause I feel like Ivis is like an established national soccer guy. Like is a useful guy to like, just good return to that take for, cause it's feels a little less petty in a way. Cause like Ivis is going to be fine. He's like still got his site. He's still got his reporting. It, he just wandered into a situation he didn't know anything about and regurgitated a kind of useful take to point at. So after this match, I kind of felt good to point at that and be like, well, yeah, look, pretty, pretty stark contrast with Ivis's point that it was an Armis and that Armis was getting the best out of his squad. Whatever you think about Miami and uh, Montreal, they're not doing well. We were not racking up goals like this and Kaku was not playing this productively before that. So, um, and I, I guess I like, I posted this on Twitter as well and I, I, kind of am feeling good about it as well because it it just feels like a good statement of support for the guys on the team because i think the thing that i didn't like about the weird idea that like oh the squad is just trash we haven't gotten any support from the ownership or or any of the signings was that it was like really dumping on a team of guys that we know are capable of better in favor of a manager who it's le- it was less obvious why he deserved that kind of benefit of the doubt. So it feels really good to see the guys flexing their muscles and enjoying playing and asserting that they can score eight goals, almost nine goals in two matches if they're just let to their own devices. But yeah, 
it's the type of squad and, and team that we've always, I mean, I think even in you know, previous seasons we've talked about it where it's the type of team that's so deep that there it's, it's ideal almost to have games this close together where mm-hmm. it tests the depth of a squad. And there's been so many people recently really poking holes in the team. And, and I think there, you know, there can be holes to be poked. Sure. But we've always kind of relied on having so many players to switch in and out. And you even saw it. I mean, we've got two, uh, you know, I'd say almost routine starters in the midfield uh, who are out on injury and we were able to replace mm-hmm. them with players that we prefer, which is great for us uh, and great for the team too. Uh, but the fact that we can do that so seamlessly, I think that goes kind of unrecognized, uh, but it's good for us and it's good for the, even in the short term, um, you know, for whatever we can make of the rest of the season. Yeah. Um, but I, I look at the midfield and the one player that I guess I kind of feel bad for that we haven't really talked too much about is Florian Velo. Mm-hmm. Um, because he's put back into that position that I don't think any of us would say is his strong point, uh, mm-hmm, which right. is that more box to box kind of like midfield role. Uh, and he's filling in for, for Davis. Right. Um, but somebody like Stroud starts, uh, and plays a little more attack minded. Um, and, and I think he played a, a good game against, you know, previously and it, it warranted, a, you know, I think more minutes, but it's unfortunate mm-hmm. that Velo's filling in on this one spot, uh, uh, and he's losing out on, I think, a position that he'd otherwise be a lot, I think, better suited to play. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and I'm, I, I'm kind of thinking, you know, with Yearwood being a consistent starter and then CCJ and then Davis coming back healthy, you know, where does Fallot kind of fit into this Red Bull team over the next few weeks and months? Well, I mean, like, that's that's part of the good thing about, I think, Velo's longevity here, despite all of the injuries that he's had, is that, you know, even Jesse's kind of placed him here and there everywhere uh, during what he played fullback in one game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I like, we do have a lot of attacking midfielders now, right? We have what Ben Mines, Omir Fernandez, Jared Stroud. And like, I think they all play kind of Velo's best role. Um, but, you know, it's always good. To have, hey, uh, I, I don't know. I think Velo still really has a really strong hold on that 10 and a half idea, but it's no, I agree. I'm saying that I think like Velo's utility right now is that he is a utility player. Um, yeah, but like I, I do think that he might have more quality in that position than you know someone like Stroud maybe. Uh, but Stroud also just looks really good right now and really comfortable there. Um, so it's, it's just like a hard call because um, you know it's like. The, the good thing for his career with us is obviously that he can just like slot in anywhere and do like a decent enough job. Um, but, you know, there's also just, I think, a lot of people in his best position, too. Yeah, although I, I imagine the reason he's there is is more so the absence of, of Davis and Riza as well. And, you know, I think right. has actually grown into that role a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, he's like a victim of his own versatility in that sense. Yeah. I mean, it I is getting it's, it's not as much of a thing like Duncan, where I don't, I don't, I don't think it's Duncan being versatile that he's being played over there as much as, yeah. like we were saying, Agbo being emphasized. Yeah, and it's getting to the point where I'm, I'm, um, we sort of need a diagnosis on uh, Davis here now, right? Like said it last week, but I'll say it again, where out for a little bit now and with with the um listed reason as knee uh, a little nervous about that um because at this it'll be interesting if and when he returns to this lineup because we've seen guys like Velo grow into the squad we've seen 
yearwood get into fitness and and develop anymore we've seen caceres uh have a couple games in a row now where he's kind of embraced more of that attacking going forward role um and has a uh i mean he's the guy who almost, who would have scored the fifth goal if um kaku hadn't been a step offside um on the initial entry pass into the play um and so oh, oh, we haven't been on. able to I, see I just bring up the fact that Royer was late on that pass. Yeah. yeah. It gave that one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah. So we've, we've, at this point, we've kind of seen every guy in the midfield get a chance to grow a little bit, including Stroud, which is more out wide than the center. Um, and Davis has not been able to participate in that. So I, um, I mean, I guess the games are on a half week schedule now. So it's not like he's missed four or five weeks, but it's been a while now. Uh, it's been a month. I mean, since he's been out, you know. Yeah, Armas um, was fired on on the fourth. So yeah, yeah, and he's on all of the Zoom calls still. Yeah, Riza, I'm I'm less confused by because you know he's he was crocked by the time he got here too. So, um, but it, it is weird. Um, and uh, Velo can't play every match too. So we'll see. And you know, I didn't. I when I was prepping for this episode, trying to schedule out when we might talk again um i didn't appreciate how quick fire all these games are in phase three too pretty much every four days um more often than not so that'll be a uh that'll be a challenge and on that front speaking about fitness and guys getting in the team i'm i'm also getting tired of samuel tete not being fit yet or whatever um because this game What'd you say, Peaches? He looked slightly less gassed this game. Yeah. Um, I'm just still sort of frustrated it's taking him so long to get to this point. Or, you know, maybe that's not the reason, but like it's a year long loan with an option to buy ostensibly. But, you know, who knows how real that is or how, how likely that is. Um, it's, it's, uh, I think Corgi had compared it to Goldbranson before. Maybe it's just kind of, frustrating because i wanted to at least see this guy my pet peeve is not even seeing guys play like i'd rather see guys play and not be very good than just to always be a mystery um so we'll see but yeah I mean, realized, maybe yeah, maybe i mean like we still have i think we still have time yeah yeah i mean maybe it's just me like being uh you know more plugged into the team now that i have to like cover it for oam and stuff like that but it felt like what the tete signing had more, like as far as the history of synergy signings um, the Tete signing had more of a kind of, you know, official like from the club discourse around it that mm-hmm. was like, oh, yeah, you know, he's he's kind of one for the future. Like we're we're almost like a little bit of a wink that like, oh, yeah, we're going to almost definitely sign him permanently. This is just kind of a, you know, get his feet wet right now. And, you know, but yeah. now after a month or so, um, he, you know, even with Yearwood, who had a longer um gap from being you know playing games and being in full match fitness and he's gotten into the swing of things why tete is behind that curve outside of just you know guys like stroud and mines and stuff like we're saying being in good form outside of that i just don't see what's holding you know tete out of getting you know at least a start at least you know a, yeah. get, a, get a sense of what he can do over six, 60 70 minutes as opposed to you know this you know late in the game stuff that He's, you know, not really finding his footing in. Yeah, we still have yeah, these five subs. Right. I was going to say that um, 
I think it would, I, I would be, you know, not concerned about the loan, but, you know, I, I would have a little bit more of a pessimistic view or outlook about it if we don't see him get a start in the next two games. Um, I yeah. think, you know, like he's been here long enough where yeah, if it doesn't happen now, then, like, I don't think it really makes sense why um, there must be another reason. One thing I realized, um, just looking at the timelines on things, Struber, of course, hasn't been confirmed yet, but the the smoke is only getting thicker. Um, but uh, Tete was at Salzburg and Liefering um, sort of at the same time that Struber was. They didn't literally, mm-hmm. like, uh, by the time Struber got to coaching Liefering, Tete had been signed to Salzburg proper. So he he didn't technically directly coach him, but I'd have to imagine that he's aware of familiar, him. Yeah. yeah, familiar to some degree. So if Struber does sign on, um, he wouldn't be totally meeting Tete and appraising him for the first time ever. So that could be a mitigating factor in just allowing him to make a decision. Um, I don't know, though. Uh, it, it would be... Um, better just to to see him a little bit because I mean I feel like we've seen plenty of performances like I mean like Duncan's fit but like we saw a completely right-footed guy on the left wing for an entire match and it was fine you know like the the there's been a wide margin of error allowed for us right now so yeah. why does that include Tete you know but yeah. yeah I mean my worry would be you know like similar to what we've seen before that he just goes into a totally switched up lineup um that you know like none of the guys know how to play together or whatever mm-hmm. um i i, I leafering probably does the same thing that we do where they play with, uh, or they practice together with the first team though right at least in part surely right yeah and i, I mean the fact that since it went from one to the other indicates that even if leafering doesn't on the whole that he had some sort of back and forth i don't know but I did like a couple things that I saw from him, though. I mean, like there, even in the very brief amount of time that yeah. we did see him, I think the one thing that I did like was that he was able to control the, and bring the ball up from the midfield to the attacking third, like pretty strongly, uh, in a way that, like, I, I just feel like I haven't seen since like Amir was on the team. Uh, you mm-hmm. know how you'd always just do that on the on the wing, uh, yeah. And just kind of like you know, just go, just charge right ahead uh, and go past a few defenders. And there was like a moment where he did that, and I really liked it. There's another play. I think he was like defending in the, you know, in our third, like in the box, and then he's able to like, um, uh, I don't know if he dispossesses or he breaks up a tackle and he gets the ball, and then it, you know, we, we have a transition play, and that's the one that Casares uh, uh, is supposed to, uh, you know, would to have scored on, mm-hmm. um, and he makes a run like from just like from one box to the other box, and he's just you know totally mm-hmm. you know like uh, up tempo, uh, just like being a part of the attack from being like pretty far in the defense. Uh, and, and I really liked it. I mean, you know, of course, you're going to have a lot more stamina when you've only been on the field for like 15 minutes. But yeah. um, I, little things that I do like, uh, and, uh, you know, I don't know how much of this we can, you know, as you kind of alluded to, like how much of this is really fitness um, versus yeah. something else. Uh, and I guess we'll see, uh, you know, and I think, you know, uh, he's got to get some minutes in one of these next two games. Yeah. And I think that, it would be a relief to see more of them too, because it, it does seem to me that striker would be the part of the field that would be most likely um, to require kind of like a big, uh, or not require, but that could get some attention, like a big signing, like a Gearwood level signing, maybe, or a Kaku level signing, even this offseason, because 
Jorgensen, if he continues to show well, maybe we can keep him on the shelf for another year or so. Um, Barlow, I don't know. Barlow and White are less clear to me, but uh, I don't. I think going into next season, in other words, with the same attacking core and like no clear hierarchy between it, would probably be less than ideal um, and, and less satisfying um, if Tete is able to assert himself as like a real first option on the front line. I think that would provide a lot of clarity um, and rather than kind of what we have going here um, and maybe allow the front office to focus maybe on a, a center back or another midfielder as well. But I don't know. Uh, at the center back position, I think doesn't Nielis plays this game as well, right? That's, yep. Yep. Does all right. Um, you know, the defense is the defense is uh very strange to me. Uh cuz I think that for long stretches we've looked very disorganized and sort of chaotic and not necessarily like in the intentional chaos way of 2018, but um just sort of, you know, really running hard and and getting uh kind of lucky. Um and just getting really back and forth. And I think the first half of this game was sort of like that, where we started putting them away. But in all these games where this has happened, we haven't really conceded a single goal from situations like that. I think I said this maybe a little last week, but this week the goal we concede is the Boyan uh, screamer. And we have the one goal where um, that Bologna guy they signed has a really nice finish, but he's offside a little. But it's it's weird. I mean, maybe maybe with an eye towards like uh, checking our enthusiasm um, about like the score lines here. Maybe that's an area where we're uh, batting above average, you know, in terms of of how well we're playing on defense. Um, but I I don't know what to make of it because the eye test and what I'm seeing from individual guys on defense tells me we need a lot more attention there either personnel wise or just coaching wise, but we've been getting away with it for a couple games. I mean, I think what I've seen so far, it might just be a little bit more. um, We just need a little bit more of a well-coached defense, but you know, we keep talking about this, but Tim Parker really has been stepping up um, in these situations. And, you know, uh, like we've said before, a lot of our players, when they don't have to think, they play really well. And I think that Tim Parker has been really good at getting in the way um, of a lot of these attackers or like putting out fires. Um, and, you know, like if we have to concede the goal of the week every week and still win 4-1, I'm like really down with that, you know? Yeah. I, I would. I, I agree that Parker looks strong again. And I'm realizing that Neilis, when he looked the most... Um, vulnerable it's i think when he was paired up against that bologna guy um who i'm gonna google binks. i'm gonna oh my god not, not binks but oh boy binks <laughs> we gotta talk about binks. this dude's named binks and he got this, this fucking i found a new guy fucking binks guy this guy get a load of this binks uh the Man, I feel for Henri though too. Um, I wish we didn't have to rack it up on Henri, but I the the red card on Luis Binks. That's just so great, <laughs> Luis Binks. Uh, looking looking like Bulgarian <laughs> Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> uh, the uh, 
fuck. Oh yeah, I guess it that um, Montreal uh, on the whole kept on making a lot of really dumb fouls, um, which I, I can't I can't avoid saying that that doesn't read well into Henri's drilling of them. There's so many times where uh, we were able to bait them into giving up a foul on the edge of the box. And like, even when there's situations where we had a guy running onto a ball and like, no one was going to arrive in time. And like Piet had one in particular where uh, like they had two on one, they got a corner. It was only a matter of time till they win the ball back. And he just, he gets like, not only fouls the guy, but like gets a yellow card in the process and concedes a dangerous free kick. And I hurt me to notice it. Cause I was like, man, what is going on in training? And I, I, like, I really want to, yeah, exactly. And I really want to say that like some of the scouting reports that I read and are just like some of the general like scuttlebutt about Montreal this season is that they like get tons of cards and give up tons of fouls. And it's like, that's not even something that you usually hear as like a description of a soccer team. That's like a, like an NFL team that like gives up too many penalties and stuff like yeah. that. It's like an example of a poorly coached, poorly disciplined team. And it's like, it sounds like it's that, that dynamic is so, pronounced uh right now with montreal that's become a noticeable factor for for their kind of uh scouting you know report yeah um and i just i i don't know i i think maybe Henri was smart to not gun for a monaco level position this time around but maybe he should have spent more time uh academy coaching at arsenal or whatever and i mean it, that forward position forward coaching position of Belgium probably wasn't very informative either. Um, so it pains me to see Henri look a little out of his depth. I have to say, um, I hope that he does better when he's not playing us, but I mean, he might hire CJ Brown. Why would he do that? Shore up the defense. Exactly. (laughs) Um, uh, yeah, but I mean, we're, we're saying all this, all, all of what we're saying right now can be true. And I would still be, uh, much happier a month ago if he had been the manager for the last year <laughs> oh, of the yeah. Red Bulls than oh, I have been, I would have sure. been if oh, we had been sure. slogging it out with Armas, but yeah. yeah. Cause at least, it, well, one, we would have, it wouldn't have been zoned cause we would have been losing games for one. Exactly. You know, yeah. <laughs> and at least if you were like going to make excuses for your manager and just like think he's relatable and cool, at least it would be Thierry Henry, you know, yeah. like, come on. <laughs> um, but I wonder if like, I for, I keep forgetting that Montreal has been playing at RBA. Um, and so I wonder if it really felt like, less of a away game for them. Although by the sound of it, by the sound of the back and forth they had to do with all this weird border crossing and quarantine, it sounds like it's kind of been a nightmare anyway. So they probably still would feel not very at home, but are they training at Hanover too? Like what is, or is that completely separate? Does anyone know? I think, I don't know. I mean, if, if, if NYC was, was training at Hanover, uh, like, you know, before the Orlando tournament and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, because the, you know, the, the laws or the COVID oh, right. statutes hadn't, hadn't lined up in New York yet, but, mm. uh, um, yeah, I mean, if, if they, if they accommodated city for that, I would imagine they'd be accommodating, uh, city and, and Montreal right now, unless, I mean, 
I, I guess I can't even think of the backup facilities they would use these days other than like the the literal pitch at, you know, Montclair State or something like that. Yeah, I don't yeah know. or maybe like, I don't know, I feel like um, the the facilities, the Rutgers facilities down at um, New Brunswick are pretty big, but I, I, yeah. I, I don't know. They're probably I'm trying to play say, football still. I was going to say that uh, Henri probably did not would not agree to train on turf still. But that's oh, yeah. a tired <laughs> joke. Um, I mean, there's enough training fields in Hanover, I suppose. Um, yeah, I could see where they uh, could yeah. probably pull it off. Which is maybe we have some uh, Bielsa type uh, spying going on too, and that's why we won so much. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, that's interesting to think about. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that's funny too because, like, I feel very confident in saying that if we had been doing. Bielsa spying a month ago, two months ago, it wouldn't have made a fucking difference at all. It would have been completely <laughs> counterproductive. Yeah. It, would have, it would have made us worse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, thank thank God we can feel we that have, we have to, we, he, he would watch practice video and be like, we have to hit them on their water breaks. That's, <laughs> that's, that's when we have to attack when, when they walk off the pitch every 10 minutes for a water break. Yeah. <laughs> Is there uh is there any Struber news? I I was I didn't want us to like I didn't want to like derail the conversation too much earlier, but yeah, it because you you mentioned uh you know it more and more and more smoke is gathering and that's true, but uh it is getting getting to be kind of a situation where it's been like four or five days since the initial smoke and it doesn't seem like uh you know you're 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 kind of used to by now if you if you're kind of plugged into the rhythm of 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 soccer news in the last you know decade or so that once once you start to see club officials being as candid as kind of the Barnsley guys and some of the reports being as detailed as they've been um you know that there's obviously an approach going on once it's been four or five days when there's nothing official that's come out yet you start to wonder um, because, uh, you know, you'd think this would be a situation that, you know, Barnsley would want to move on from, um, you know, as quickly as possible. And then, um, you know, I guess, I guess the one thing that could be holding it up that, um, you know, would still have it on track to be our, you know, our hire that we're, we are going to eventually hire Struber is that Struber just kind of wants to, Maybe Struber and his agents sort of want the the conversation to linger on and drag out a little bit more because it keeps Struber's name in the papers, so to speak. It keeps mm-hmm. it out there that um, Barnsley is willing to let him leave, and that you know everybody knows what his transfer fee is, and um, you know that uh, if there's any other teams that want to pip New York Red Bulls to making this hire, that they have a chance to do it right now, and that Struber might be able to to ring a better offer out there um, mm-hmm. somewhere. Not, not that, not that there's any job that you would want other than the New York Red Bulls. I mean, of course, of course. But, yeah. um, but um, you know, they could be that he is kind of like, uh, you know, dangling himself out there for a little bit longer than he can before finally making the jump here. Yeah. You know, should he want to? So we'll see. I, Do you think there's any um, kind of like potential negotiating on this transfer fee? Obviously it's something that's written in the contract, but, they might be trying to bring it down somehow. I mean, there were there were enough. I mean, one of the things that, that first came out 
on the the first you know kind of 48 hours where it was happening was that uh um Mattishitz himself was involved in uh mm-hmm. both convincing struber himself to make the jump and come back in to the red bull system but also you know just you know assuring either you know red bull or barnsley that yeah i'll you know i've got the bag you know behind whatever fee is required so um you know uh, I, I can't imagine that that money is too much of an issue right now. Um, I, I, I think it's more, you know, Struber making sure both a combination of Struber making sure this is the right decision for his career and, you know, doing kind of a Machiavellian, like, you know, making sure there isn't, you know, a way that he can juice this into, you know, maybe an even bigger yeah. gig than, uh, than New mm-hmm. York. Or maybe not even the transfer fee, but just his personal salary. That too, yeah. yeah. That could be part of it. I I know. uh, I was gonna say there was that one very somber uh, squad picture from. Well, yeah, I was gonna say we've reached the point of transfer speculation now, where we're looking at, uh, you know, every like press release and news, and and Barnsley posted four photos from their training where like there was one huddle where like it was half of a huddle where it just (laughs) the the person who was speaking in the huddle and the manager was not present in it and. It's just reached that. I feel like a lot of teams and fan bases go through that phase of a transfer of like looking through a player's training ground or something, being like, "Is is he in the is he in the squad? Is he like what's he doing? Does he look so, happy? Is he smiling? <laughs> yeah. Um, um, has anyone know, checked Instagram I, to see if he's followed the new Red Bulls? Yeah. God, oh yeah. yeah. The thing I, I gather that Strube is not on Instagram which I think is a great thing about him. I don't know. I, he was, he was, he was selling software like uh, four or five years ago. He, true, he might yeah. have, he might have tons of, of LinkedIn, you know, posts lingering out there for, <laughs> for us to, uh, to hang him with. I'm going to go that. follow police among LinkedIn, follow policing on Twitter, lame LinkedIn, completely valid. He's, he's going to have by far the most big built out LinkedIn account of any MLS manager to date. Ugh. So. He's just gonna be like a tech version of Mauricio Sari. Oh, you think, do you think uh, Jesse's link? Jesse's LinkedIn's probably Jesse oh, might have true. a literal Rolodex, though. I don't know. Well, hard to, hard to think that. Jesse, Jesse yeah, Jesse just has like yeah, whatever. Like the Princeton monkey paw that they give to like <laughs> summon, you know, other, you know. Yeah, Whatever. Jesse has secret, a Mancierge. society members. Yeah, he just dials his Mancierge and has to be connected yeah. to the the other company men near him, um, and a number station, obviously, that he gets from Radio Free Europe. Um, oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the uh, I, I'm never sure if this is just something that every team thinks about themselves, you know, or like everyone thinks that the weather where they live is crazy. Uh, if every team just feels like their team takes forever to finalize transfers, unless you are a Chelsea fan. Um, but it, it just, a Kai Havertz, uh, transfer took a long time. I will say. Oh, okay. Well, I did. I just do. I am feeling that point now where I'm thinking like, well, you know, the Red Bulls pretty much never seem to execute a transfer quickly. Although maybe I'll argue against myself. Cause maybe part of the, maybe part of what we were saying along the season about like the Pendon, Egbo and Jensen transfers is that they seem, they seemed unusually straightforward. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, the uh, other, I think piece of news, not directly related to match, I guess is that Kaku has been 
uh, well, he's he's also Hot. an entrepreneur now. He's uh, offering <laughs> uh, his jerseys for fifty dollars, which I, I, I have to say it's like a, a weirdly personalized hack. Actually, like it, it's not. I feel like I've seen it was that's in, that's inspired. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like he had, he person, had to like research them. Yeah, this person knows who he is. Like, it's not. I feel like when you see hacks of this kind on Twitter, it's like really, really like smash and grab. Like, let's just try to get people to click this link and be stupid as fast as possible. This one was like multiple, multiple steps, and like I, I got to say though, the, the his voice in English seemed off. Uh, <laughs> he has tweeted in English before, but. Kaku just tweeting not in like inspirational quotes also seemed wrong. So mm-hmm. that set off alarm bells for me. But besides that, though, he did get picked in the Paraguay squad for the qualifiers coming up. Um, I have not been able to read the latest on any news about his selection in particular. I do know that the selection and, and travel thing has been clarified now that uh mls sent a letter and clubs sent letters asking uh feds not to pick guys um so they wouldn't have to travel in quarantine but ultimately it is up to each individual mls team to exercise that discretion i think part of that report was also that um that letter was sent in part on request of players themselves who didn't want to travel, but didn't want to put themselves on the spot um, with their confederations by requesting that all this to say for me, I don't know what to think as to whether or not Kaku's selection indicates conversations have happened already. Cause Lord knows messier things have happened you know, sort of with the Red Bulls and Kaku in particular, but also just in the soccer world in general. I I have not heard anything. I have no, I don't know. Do you have a sense or does anyone have a guess as to whether he probably talked with the Paraguay squad um, before this, or maybe there's a weird showdown coming? I don't know. I haven't missed any news on this, have I? No, I think you've laid out everything I know. All right. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I'm, I'm really out of the loop on whether, on what, what you just said, Britt, about of what, you know, whether it's at the club's discretion or the league's discretion. Um, I, uh, I think, I think it's a good sign um, as far as like the long term um projection of whether kaku is going to be with the club for a while that mm-hmm. you know it seems like we're kind of you know making that exception perhaps for him because we there there's nobody else i mean obviously the you know usa is not having a camp this month so that you know there's not gonna be any controversy with like long or anything like that but is there there anybody else in the it squad would right now that would be yeah caceres and but like anybody Besides that, who you know would theoretically be getting blocked right now? Um, Kyle Duncan for like a U twenty three, but that again, right? But yeah, that's like not happening right now. So yeah, I mean, um, you know, maybe this is just you know the the team in general just you know giving a blanket policy for all players, and he's just the only one who's benefit benefited from it so far. But um, you know, I think it's a good sign that. Um, if it is at the club's discretion that we're willing to, to do it for Kaku because we, um, you know, we, we value his happiness. We value his ability to 
um, be a part of the the national team program and eventually like you know like he said recently um, really wants to play in the next World Cup. Um, so it's good to accommodate that. You know, I guess the double edge or the other edge of that would be that, um, you know, maybe they're they're more than happy to let him go on international play because that is a showcase for him and raises mm-hmm. transfer value. Um, so maybe there's that factor of it that we're doing a um, we're we're applying the the Derek Etienne strategy still. Um, to my dismay of like, you know, just letting a guy stunt for a national team so that we can, you know, ship him out. I, I would hope that's not the case, but, yeah. uh, um, but no, I, I, yeah, I think it's generally a good thing. It is, I guess this, this does mean he is going to miss games too. He's going to miss, miss a ton of Red games. games. Yeah. Yeah. You have to go to, um, I can't remember exactly who Paraguay is playing, but he would have to go to South America cause they're, they're not doing a bubble or anything. They're just doing, I think, traditional home and away qualifier format. And then I think you'd have to come back and quarantine for two weeks, um, which I, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I'm looking and I see Caceres got named to a provisional 40 man squad for Venezuela. Yeah. Haven't seen an update on that. Um, but uh, that would, I mean, I, I guess I'm inclined to agree maybe that. Because he's seemingly had some productive time with Yearwood and with the rest of the squad and has seemingly been able to successfully reassert himself in the squad and maybe feels more confident about it to let him go. But I'm just running it through my head right now. And CCJ and Kaku gone in our midfield with Davis with no diagnosis and Riza presumed dead. I, who plays midfield for us? Velo and and Yearwood every single game. Uh, I mean, it's tough. Um, but John Tolkien is on a first team contract. <laughs> is his position even nailed down? I mean, he was playing in a two game today, wasn't he? I don't. I don't. Yeah, know. I, I, it's probably not yeah. likely. But it's the wrong it's all, podcast it, to ask about that. Yeah. I, <laughs> Yeah, maybe maybe a like taboo thing to mention, but like uh, you know, they're also like you know, obviously we would expect him to quarantine when he comes back, but then we also just saw Higuain like you know come back and forth to Miami like six times and then start like a day later. That's so, true, um, but that's Florida, though, right? Like on. they just have different rules. I mean, I feel like the like, relevant rules here are MLS rules more. Yeah, I think it's states. yeah. I don't, I don't think it's. I don't think it's states saying that people have to be in their house for, for two weeks. It's MLS saying like, you can't, you know, participate in MLS activities unless you've done a like two week thing. Yeah. I was going to say like New Jersey definitely has its own like self quarantine guidelines. So yeah, I, I, guidelines, I, though. right. I wondered if we were going to like be sticking to those. I for... guess maybe if he can come back and immediately get a rapid test, uh, but I, I don't know. Um, I, I'm, I could go either way on it. I guess. If if it's a situation where he is asking to go and really wants to go, um, I'm loath. I would be loath to have the team say no. Um, but mm-hmm. I have no idea if that's happened or not. But we'll see. When would that? When when are these games supposed to happen? Um, I mean, we'll still have next the Saturday game. Um, 
coming. I'm thinking. I'm thinking they would be next weekend, and then like a midweek after that, if they're like a you know traditional international. Yeah, camp. Thursday, October eighth is Paraguay, Peru, um, and then looks like the thirteenth is the next one, and it'd be Paraguay, Venezuela. So maybe CCJ and Kaku come back on the same flight together. If uh, he's still going to be there, um, but. Yeah, okay. So that would put us at missing comparing schedules now. That would he would probably depart after this game on Saturday, miss next Wednesday's game uh against Miami again, and then um be out for um an additional uh let's see two games at least. The soonest he would he would possibly be back if he gets back and takes a rapid test and is cleared to play would be Sunday, October 18th against Orlando. So minimum, minimum of two games out potentially up to all of October out. So I don't know. Um, I guess we'll find out soon, but uh, we've got some upcoming games coming up, probably going to cover two games before we have another podcast episode. So we've got Orlando again, on Saturday or not again. And then Miami, uh, on Wednesday again. And I was going to say it, Orlando's funny cause some, you know, probably because of COVID cup. Um, it, I, it feels like we've played them before, but we haven't. Right. Um, this is our first time playing them. Uh, but, uh, we're going to play them twice in a month it feels sort of weird to be playing a new opponent again after all this time. Cork, I understand you may have uh, gotten a little intel on Orlando. What What is going on over there? Uh, I mean, uh, I, I, I believe what you're referring to is that I, uh, I did uh, or I guested on a uh, Orlando podcast um, the other night. And um, yeah, I actually, when I was on that podcast, I was basically put on the spot, you know, to say, oh, what, what are you worried about for Orlando? And I don't know too much about what's going on with <laughs> Orlando this year. Um, I, I know that they, they, um, they have, uh, they're getting used to um, things under Oscar Perea. And I just think, um, you know, obviously we're, you know, as Red Bulls fans, probably um, pretty, pretty you know, understanding of how much a coaching change can um, switch up a team's kind of attitude overnight. And I think Perea is obviously a, you know, very experienced guy in the league. He knows what sort of, um, you know, tactics the leagues requires. He knows what kind of players succeed in the league and, um, you know, uh, is probably just, you know, has the team set up, um, you know, to, to play well um, every week in a way that they probably weren't with, you know, O'Connor doing, you know, his kind of, you know, grunt brain sticks. So, um, that, that can, you know, just kind of have a, tr- that, you know, is more than likely having kind of a big trickle down effect on the rest of the squad, but they've also been, you know, bringing in a lot of, uh, a lot of new talent, a lot of, um, kind of Latin American players through, um, Luis Muzi, who is there technical director who was kind of like a highly regarded, you know, partner of Perea's with Dallas when they were kind of doing the same thing, bringing in a lot of these sort of um, second tier South American players. And, you know, um, it looks like they've, you know, kind of uh, 
got a good thing going this year after you know of, of you know several years of of not having really Id- any identity or kind of consistent plan at all um, at the first team level it seems like they've um, kind of kind of got a system in place and they're they're reaping some of the benefits right now um, so this is you know definitely going to be a more organized and you know um, kind of professional um, Orlando team than, than we've probably ever seen um, uh, play against the Red Bulls. So, yeah, well, God, how long was that O'Connor guy there? That really felt like an interim appointment that that lasted for years uh, longer like than year. it should have. Yeah, I think just like a year and a half. I think he oh, was like yeah. like around the same time that Armas uh, got Armist, you know yeah. took over here that mm-hmm. um, Christ got fired and O'Connor got hired in Orlando. Yeah. Well, since we've only gotten a uh, world escort on us, you know, them having Nani, I think is a good chance that this might not be a clean sheet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, fuck. They haven't lost in uh, over a month. They lost three to two versus Miami um, and have won five and drawn three since. So, damn. Um, it's. You know, I don't repeating every disclaimer we've said this season. I don't want to read too much in everything, but it's certainly different than playing Miami and Montreal uh, and um, DC the last couple of weeks. So could be an opportunity. Uh, would be cool to see maybe I don't know Kaku and Yearwood together, some sort of combination, um, rather than sort of more more what it was like this Sunday. I'd like to see both of them. I guess is really just what I'm saying, um, but. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I guess Should I'll be looking the towards whether the defense cracks again because I feel like it's been it's been bending a lot, but not necessarily breaking. So maybe if going up against Chris Mueller and a more solid team, we uh, might be able to get a better understanding of that. What were you saying, Peaches? Uh, this this should posters Darby. Oh yeah, yeah. Man, that brief that brief moment when I was high on mushrooms and everyone and we were beating Atlanta and Orlando was having a big laugh too. And I joked that we would see them in the COVID cup final, you know, maybe we did see them in the COVID cup final. Who was maybe even in the COVID, COVID cup, cup final? final. <laughs> I said, maybe you saw them in the COVID cup final. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah. That was well, the COVID cup final really. It was like the posting back and forth about it. Like, Right. Literally, what was the COVID Cup final? No one knows. Before that tournament, that's how you should assess quality. Um, I, I don't. Yeah, I agree with you. I think like this is a good chance to see, um, you know, what what's going on with our defense. Um, see it really get tested. Um, but you know, I think that if we score first, I think there's a, just like a good chance that we we score again, knowing how how we're we're feeling um, right now. I think almost everyone on the team is pretty confident, um, which is good. I think we're playing with swagger uh, for the first time in a long time. Um, I think all of our substitute, like all of our subs are really up for it. I think there's a lot of good energy going. So, you know, like I just generally feel kind of good uh, about going into this game. Um, Obviously, they are good though so we this is like the first time we're playing a good team if um, is leaving for qualifiers he surely is going to play this game i would think um right and we, he'll also have the whole week to recover but yeah 
Um, do we know if Aaron Long was just resting in the last game? Because, you know, I, I think maybe yeah, seeing him. Yeah, I believe so. I mean, I'll double check the injury report, but um, it's been a pretty consistent pattern um, of kind of rotating those back line guys. Um, but uh, yeah, okay. Well, Amro was listed as out uh, with a thigh issue, which corrects something I said earlier in the episode. But. Um, None of the center backs are listed as out. Um, and for Miami, all I'll say is that I don't like Igain being here now doesn't change my appraisal of them at all. I don't think they're I think magically. It worse. Yeah, I don't think they're going to magically like be more dangerous than they were um, when we played them last week. Uh, to me, the evaluation is more the question of what we were saying about those last 15 minutes when we racked it up on them. Are they going to be able to keep it together and not just totally quit? like that is, is the role of the dice going to be slightly different. Um, I don't, you know, anticipate you and really having anything to do with that. It's not like they were creating chances against us and just missing them. So um, I would still expect hopefully to assert a win over that, especially with us at home. Um, and maybe we can get them tilted into a red card. Maybe, maybe. I did like the little, uh, Keown, Van uh, Nistelrooy episode that he had with uh, Philly already. That was that was quality. Um, to he's, be hit, he's that, having a good time. First game, yeah, yeah. Just just chatting with the mates. Um, <laughs> is there anything uh, left unturned here? No, this is pre- this is a pretty straightforward one. I was just gonna say, like, we don't preview matches anymore. You know, yeah. I don't think it feels so. sort of weird to get back in the habit of that. Right, like looking ahead, there being hope. Oh, I forgot to tell you, I found out, um, you know, we found out about how Chris Armis was fired, slash disappeared, slash sacrificed, but we didn't, we never talked about CJ Brown. CJ Brown wasn't present for that at all. But I found out uh, actually what happened to CJ Brown. It's, it's a shorter story, much more simple. Everyone, before the, the West Point retreat thing, a couple guys went up to Hudson Valley before. Sean Davis wanted to take someone on a date, uh, so they went to Dia Beacon, as every 20-something-year-old man does at some point in New York City. Uh, go look at some statues, everything, and then uh, C.J. Brown was there with a couple of advanced team, and then uh, he ate um, a uh, piece of uh, uh, something on the ground at Dia Beacon that he shouldn't have. Uh, and everyone was like, nah, I don't know, CJ, is that really necessary? We're going to go get some food later. But he really loudly insisted on it. Uh, but then later when everyone was eating at, uh, the table, uh, all of a sudden he said he didn't feel so good. And then he, uh, keeled over and all of a sudden something ripped out of his chest and it was a little small bull that just said, I'm the fucking Red Bull. Let me count me money. And just started laughing and ran off. Um, and then uh, everyone was worried about getting killed by this growing Red Bull thing around the facility for the rest of the move. I mean, the training session. So that's how CJ Brown got fired. Okay. I don't need to make music for that one, right? No, oh, no. I didn't ask you to do that for last time. That's, I just heard that secondhand. That was in a, that was in a, uh, a, a little, uh, what do you, floppy drive, floppy drive that Pat included as well. Okay, Much shorter. Cool. Not byline, but chest burster out of CJ Brown's chest with the little horns of the Red Bull saying he's counting his money in a, a Jordy accent. That's how he died. 
Lest it be uh, any confused. Oh, and uh, CJ Ren was eating a Wigan kebab, obviously, as everyone does. But, right. Um, okay. I don't know why the Red Bull has that accent, but and, and, that and scans. Bizarrely, the entire time, the only person who was not agitated or disturbed by what was going on was Bradley Carnell. He just <laughs> yeah. he kind of watched. He watched intently and uh, seemed, you know, almost slightly pleased with what was transpiring. Um, so, you know, maybe maybe he had something to do with it. Maybe he didn't. We will find out. He was just practicing saying his name on the yeah. side. Mark de Grand Prix uh, also weirdly insisted um, on being nearby and was also, for some reason, the only the only person who was okay with uh, letting CJ eat that little piece of food he found on the ground. But maybe we'll find out why later. But it's because it was made by Delaware North. It's true. It was and uh, originally picked out of the ground by a high class quality Yanmar tractor. Uh, only the finest combine machines and uh, dual purpose uh, tractor things. Uh, Yanmar, send us a tractor already. I swear to God. How many times do we, we have to do this? I will absolutely read a Yanmar message on this yeah, podcast. Yeah, enter code no, the Red Bull at yanmar.com to get 15% <laughs> off your, your $100,000 tractor. That's right, folks. A $15,000 <laughs> discount by entering from 202 slash the Red Bull into Yanmar. Dot co dot uk uh that's official we've sold out um <laughs> is that it for this week no emails yeah. i said i would pretend like i never asked but oops no emails we're good on that what no we don't have an email what are you talking about good point contact at view from 202.com uh all right till next thursday yep okie doke who's felix is that it?